Watch who? Hello, Hello and welcome to To Watch Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to watching Who. Yep, watching for the very first time. Very first time. <laughs> there it is, as usual. <laughs> um, and you join us today. Uh, we're in this deserted plant museum, uh, apparently. Uh, it's really cold, isn't it? Sure. Um, I'm glad to see you've got your uh, winter furs on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to some of them. There's a, <laughs> there's a glacier outside and it's very cold. I've got my uh, plastic space thermals on. How yeah. are you feeling? Fine. <laughs> it's just... God, I hate these intros. <laughs> uh, and we've got a special guest today, uh, which we're going to get... <laughs> which... Who we're going to get in touch with. Um, Victoria's left her um, communicator bracelet on the floor, handily enough, so we're going to get in touch. If I can just uh, work out how to use this thing. Uh, I think it's like an Apple Watch. Um, (laughs) So, Will, are you there? Hello, coming in loud and clear, yes. Hello, welcome. (laughs) Are you in the uh, computer room? Uh, Yes, yeah, yeah, the... um the the, the uh, spare bedroom that <laughs> as, a, as the computer room absolutely so welcome to two watch who this is very special because you are our first guest who's never seen doctor who before i'm honored <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we're going from sort of sarah's point side of things My rather than rather view. than the fan side of things this time so well you literally what do you know about doctor who um, not much really. So I'm obviously aware of it because I'm into uh, television shows and, and I've, I've seen lots of, you know, I've not been living under a rock. I've seen <laughs> TV in, in my time on earth. Um, so yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm familiar with it. Uh, you know, I can obviously name uh, the new who, uh, such as, you know, Jodie Whittaker and David Tennant and Chris Fair. I remember, I remember Christopher Eccleston when it came back and it, I, I was at that age where I was probably in the prime target audience for it, but then I, I missed it. Um, and then obviously, oh, aside from that, knowing Tom Baker and kind of classic Doctor Who and, and knowing what the TARDIS is and the concept of the TARDIS and a Dalek and maybe the Simon, but never sat down to watch an episode or anything like just just knowing it was something that made my parents hide behind the sofa. <laughs> a classic, yeah. Absolute cliche opinion of Doctor Who without seeing it really. So, um, yeah, intrigued. Right. Intrigued, but never actually going near it. Yeah, right. And and we've made you watch a '60s story uh, <laughs> as well, a classic story for the first time. I mean, that was that wasn't too far away from my comfort zone. Because I mean, when I was um, a youngster, kind of four or five, I can clearly remember them rerunning uh, Batman, Adam West '60s um, Batman. Uh, what you know. He, it's like who is your Batman, isn't it? You, you you associate with one, and that was my first taste of Batman. Um, was Adam West and Bert, you know, all all of that, and then likewise knowing um, Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and it's classic sixties shows. I mean, I know we spoke previously, and it was you get spoiled with Dad's Army repeats, and so there's a vintage mm. TV readily available for people to digest. 
Um, but obviously Classic Who isn't, until Britbox has come along, hasn't been readily available the same as other shows. No. So it wasn't too much of a challenge in terms of sort of a black and white half missing as well of all the ones we chose for you well hang on mark chose for you i just want to <laughs> i said to mark which one shall we do so this is mark's doing i can't even like speculate i have no idea what's coming up so that mark chose for you it wasn't too far out of my comfort zone i mean i'm i did film at a level i'm very used to watching old films i go out my way sometimes to try and find stuff and um just because something is black and white i mean i think there's um, people out there go, oh, it's black and white, it's crap, and just mm. it straight. And it's like, no, come on, you know, how many films did Hitchcock make in black and white? There's good stuff, and you know, yeah, yeah, very influential um, scenes, and not just Hollywood films, you know, but across the globe, world cinema and TV, and and it all goes back to you know the stuff people are influenced doing now. It all goes back to what they saw, you know. Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker is all what he saw growing up in the 70s and classic TV. So, and of course, I mean, Doctor Who, it obviously had to be good enough for it to still be around today. I mean, it can't have been that bad in the 60s. Well, it's interesting because now it's on BritBox, uh, you've got all the maybe the younger generation that watch the new series. And it's so funny, like uh, with like Doctor Who fandom on Twitter and things, you've got like much sort of like I don't know, seventeen, eighteen year olds who you wouldn't think would watch something from the sixties, discovering these stories and and the characters as well. Even you know moments in Doctor Who, like ones we've done, like the rescue or something like that, where they're like, "Oh, Vicky's been," you know, you've got like sort of these teenagers watching and reliving those moments, which were only designed to be shown once. And never again. So it, yeah. it's it's great that it's still going. It is interesting, isn't it? I mean, um, I, don't, I don't want to do a really crap metaphor here, but it, when you discover something, you can like review it contemporary. When we're looking back, it, I think we're so used to having music albums, you know, from the past and, and what it means to your parents or your aunties and uncles or whoever who introduce you and go, you've got to listen, you know, take just the Beatles. You've got to listen to the Beatles. You know, now 1967 from the Ice Warriors, the Beatles were doing Sgt. Pepper. And you listen to it now and it still stands up. There's sort of, there's bits of it you're like, oh, that's... But it's, you can see where it goes with other bands and other influences and, and that kind of thing. So to do it with TV, I, I think it's a really clever idea. Well, think. the Beatles actually were... We had a Beatles moment, didn't we, Doctor Who? Yeah, they did appear in a, in a first Doctor story. Well, it was a clip from Top of the Pops. So they were actually supposed to appear in person, but their manager wouldn't let them. Um, and then they used a clip in Top of the Pops. But in the American, oh, on BritBox, it's been cut out because of the rights uh, issues for the Beatles. So Sarah's watching on BritBox, and I ha- it's on the DVD, but it, they've cut that scene out for, yeah. for overseas. Um, they For whatever reason, obviously the Beatles' rights are like... Mm. I, I consider myself... I'm going to have to reevaluate myself. You're making me ask some big personal questions. <laughs> because I, I always thought, oh, you know... A bit of a Beatles head. I like George Harrison. He was always, my, you know, my favourite. And always, and that, now you, you educate me. So every day is a school day. <laughs> so they were supposed to appear in person in like the future and be done up really old, but their manager didn't want them looking old. So that's why he said they weren't allowed to that's to be funny. in it. 
Wow. Can you can you imagine that? But what would you need to try and get Paul McCartney on the podcast now? That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> he is really old. <laughs> <laughs> So the Ice Warriors, our, our story this week. So, Will, how did you watch these six episodes? Did you have a break in between each one, or uh, because Sarah doesn't watch six in a row? No, we always have to have a break. We did it in three and three. That's pretty pretty extreme, isn't it? Doing six on the trot, like you've got, yeah. you've got to be a bit into it to do that. I mean, I understand <laughs> people doing it. I remember I once tried to watch six episodes of Peep Show and it just freaked me out. I couldn't hack it. I had to go and hide for a week. I, we looked at it. This is me and my me and my better half, Emma. And I said, look, we're going to do this and we'll do it as three lots of two. So we did two, two, two. And not on consecutive nights either. We had a break between each. Well, because it was designed to be shown one a week. So... You know, yeah, it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't for the binge generation, as it were. It needs to be cherished and appreciated, and a bit of space afforded to it. I think. Going back to TV shows and modern TV shows and what we've watched recently, I wasn't a Game of Thrones fan at all, even slightly. And then, before the last season, um, Emma was like, "Well, I'm watching it, so you're going to have to catch up." And we had like eight months to kind of romp through it and. No pun intended because of the sex and everything else, but ra- raced through it, got all the way through it. I was a big fan, got to the end. And I don't normally like fancy, but that's worth mentioning as well. I, I'm <laughs> not a massive fancy fan, so why am I in a Doctor Who podcast? I have no idea. <laughs> but got to the you know um, final season on Sky, where we've been broadcast live in the last couple of years. And like everyone else, just went, well, that's all right, whatever, it's not that good. <laughs> After ploughing all that time into watching it. But yeah, there you go. But you binged it. And I feel, it's funny because I feel like I'm binging Doctor Who in a way. In a not, well, I am. Because no one would choose to do this to themselves. Actually, that's a lie. Sorry, going to retract that because people do. Good to them. But they're fans. No one would, like, keep going through... How how many seasons is there in Classic Who? Well, there's 26 seasons 26 in Classic. 26 seasons. Ugh. I feel like I'm binging. Well, yeah, I mean, fans, you know, you do your marathon sometimes. You don't just sort of endlessly go on, but, or then you choose your favourite stories. But it's, in- but it's interesting, because whenever we talk about you watching the episodes, like, this is the first time you're really doing it in order, isn't it? Well, I've I've done it a few times with some of the missing ones. I'm filling in the gaps yeah, as, yeah. as we go along. That's what I mean. Like you've never done it in this way before. Um, you go back to like episodes that you enjoy. Things you know. I do it. I do it now with like shows that I like. Oh, I really like that episode. I watched that episode, and oh, I enjoyed that one. You don't do everything, even the ones you don't enjoy, <laughs> even the hard ones. So in a way, I feel like I'm binging Doctor Who. Yeah, I I'm like so, yeah. I'm hashtag new gen in it. I don't know. I'm, tra- I'm going to make that a thing. I'll make that a thing. <laughs> well, should we go into the into the story then? Yeah. Right. Let's get into the Ice Warriors. Um, so, I'll just say about my experience of this story. So, I first watched this when I got the VHS box set, which I'm holding up here, Aww. in 1998 for Aww. Christmas. Uh, so back then, well, you didn't have the animation back then, so. Episodes two and three were a condensed sort of 20-minute version with audio and, and photos. Uh, and then you've got the remaining uh, 
Oh, and then you've got a CD as well. It came with a CD of the soundtrack of the of the episodes and a little booklet as well. Uh, so I remember watching that at Christmas, uh, 1998. Um, and I looked at, I thought fan opinion of this story was quite high. Well, all the fans I've spoke to are like, mm, it's not as good as uh, as people think. And so there was a fan poll in... Uh, 2013 for the 50th anniversary. So all of the classic and new stories up to that point were were rated. And this came 141 out of 241, which I'm so su- I'm really surprised at because I thought it was much more well regarded than it than it is. I think though, I mean you don't know this well, but the previous episode was also cold Yes, and yes. We, we were in Tibet the last episode, and Jamie, the last thing he says is, can we go somewhere warmer? And then they end up doing the Ice Warriors. So I feel but, like... But the Ice Warriors as monsters are very well regarded, I think. Uh, they're a classic monster, but maybe just the storyline of this. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised, actually. I w- I'm very conscious. So I'd, staying true to the podcast and the theme of podcast, and when, because obviously he's... Tell you're going to be watching this, and then you, you watch it, and all of a sudden I knew before. I was like, I'm not going to do any research. I'm not going to, mm. you know, risk um, being biased or, or or anything. So the only thing I've I've done afterwards is obviously on Twitter said I've done this, I've watched this, and, like, and then I've seen a couple of hashtags and seen, it, and I've seen that there is, like you say, Mark, there, there is a um, online. It appears that there's a this particular set of stories has a big cult following and is a firm fan favourite and all the rest of it. So it's really interesting when you're saying, but actually, you know, where does it actually stand in the um, favourite order or, you know, favouritism of, of fans and what they're going with? So, yeah, no, that, that's really interesting because if you ask me plainly, I thought this is classic Who and this is like, I don't want to be... Um, dissing on or getting beef with, <laughs> with the big who fans because i'm a bit like okay then but we'll get on to that i'm not revealing anything yet well it's six episodes we do find that that those longer stories do have quite a bit of padding in them and they do tend to slow yeah. down your traditional um story is more four episodes that is interesting to say because that was one thing I thought. Well, what, what am I going to say about this? And you know, how, how am I going to say? It? And that that is it. I my not opening gambit, but certainly my conclusion would have been you could have done it in four. But that's the um, benefit of I suppose contemporary hindsight, isn't it? And knowing what we know about TV shows now and different pacing and different styles and and then yeah. I think this as well goes to how. You, you've obviously watched it in two sets of three, and I've done it as uh, three lots of two. Is you might, if if you're of an age now, if you're 50, 60, and remember watching it on TV, and that's what this goes for a lot of the classic episodes and story formats, is you do remember it a little bit differently as a, as a seven, eight year old, and you can kind of think oh it's Saturday night I'm going to get there to Doctor Who and you kind of forget about the pacing a little bit because it's a bite-sized chunk of a story and it's only when mm. you're doing what we do and you, you kind of binge it or you watch it in fast flow that you go oh hang on a minute yeah this is a bit disjointed or that could do with streamlining there or so yeah it's interesting. What would you say is your overall impression of this episode just like before we get into it what would your overall impression of it be? 
of a story, sorry. I can see why it's iconic. I can really see why it's iconic. And, um, you know, not just the um, sets and some of the, some of the costumes are just brilliant, aren't they? They were like so sixties, and the stripes on the on the on the jump, <laughs> the, the you know, it's so. This is what the modern age is going to look like. You know, we've not been there yet. We don't know anything. We're just going to do it like. So yeah, um, I think the the stills of the ice, the title, that is mm. so striking. That could. You could put that on a on an album cover now for for a contemporary indie band, and that would be the coolest thing ever. The, <laughs> you know what I mean? The number and the, the, it's so stark. Some of the, the dialogue we knew. I knew the dialogue was going to be a bit, you know, speaking of the queens, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, that, that's to be expected, and especially with it um, being Big Bad Pat and his stage um, background and well respected actor and all the rest of it. Were you expecting Jamie to be Scottish? Were you expecting a Scottish accent in there? Didn't know anything about the companions at all. Did, did so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't know anything about that. And and this is goes on as well. So obviously, bearing in mind you've obviously seen the the prior episode and you've, you've mentioned the joke about I want to go somewhere hot. Um, <laughs> this episode you don't even see inside the TARDIS. They just arrive. You are plonked straight on the edge of a glacier, and you're kind of like. Where are we? Is it? Oh, it's snowing. We're on a mountain. Oh, it's a glacier. Um, and then they start flowing with more um, conversation about the computers and the reactors and ionizers. And there's you are thrown in. There, there is no one thing that you can really appreciate is either that the audiences were smarter <laughs> in the sixties or used to the type of language being used. Because I think if you put it on TV now it would lose quite a few people. They don't repeat line, you know, the classic um, story technique of having two or three characters repeat the same line back and foreshadowing like that and kind of mapping out the story. There's none of that in this. It is just... No. And I think you've got to be really on it to see yeah. it Saturday night. Well, well, let's start off. So with part one, yeah, you go straight into that control room setting. And it's very sci-fi. And I was aware that you said you weren't into sci-fi. And I thought, what are you going to think of this first scene? Going straight in there. You got, with, like you say, with the fashion. You got the plastic headgear. Miss Garrett. Glasses. Why has the ionizer been allowed to deteriorate to danger level? There was a pulse stoppage. I've done all I can to boost it. We can't be allowed to fall any lower. We still have time to evacuate. We will certainly not evacuate. We've beaten its tantrums before. It's falling again. So yeah, and it's all very chaotic at the beginning. There's some kind of emergency. You've got the computer. Yeah, and then you meet Leader Clint. There's a lot of information there. I'm not. I'm reluctant to say confused because that seems like a like a negative. And I'm also reluctant to say um, hectic. But it is. You are dropped right in there. And um, I mean, of course, you're not if you were familiar with the series and watching it at the time. No, but. It's, well, that's you are. Well, yeah, but well, but well, I was I was about to say. Imagine like the the younger kids watching at the time, the sort of seven, eight year olds. It, You're not going to know what's going on. It's interesting because they have different story writers. So who did this one? You told me this. Oh, so this one was by Brian Hales, and he actually wrote one of the ones that we really didn't like a few seasons ago. <laughs> well, you really didn't like. I didn't think it was as bad, but you hated it. It's interesting. Sometimes it can be really slow. It can be a really slow, like, you're like, oh, God, just go. They're just investigating for, like, 10 minutes. Like, 
oh, what's this? Oh, snow. Oh, you know. And then sometimes it's just like, bam, right in there, you know, and this is what's happening. And you just got to run with it. So it's always so different. Um, but it I just think, depends on the writer. But it's a, it's a good opening. You've got a sense of urgency. And that, and you find out about the glaciers. They do slow down towards the end of the first episode and Clint explains it to them. So you're just sort of in that moment. You're just finding out where we are. I don't think they mention a year, actually, or exactly where they are. When I've gone and looked at it, it, it says about, you know, the, the far future and a new ice age and all the rest of it. And you're like, well, that isn't actually expressively stated really they're just um, catapulted into this uh scenario and then they're, they're climbing out of the tardis and i have issue with them climbing out of the tardis like i okay. i said this to you so the tardis is like a diamond is a thing in itself therefore surely they could just walk out and then fall. They shouldn't need to climb out of... I said that they were doing it for ages. I was like, they don't need to climb out of the TARDIS because actually TARDIS is like a world within itself. In theory, they could just be stood up. Why are they tilting? Why is like the TARDIS tilting them? It's a funny sort of comedy opening <laughs> for the for the three of them, isn't it? They, they were treating it almost like a hot air balloon basket that's lopsided, weren't they? And they kind of got yeah. out. And it was like, okay, fair enough. Um right move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was a really long start and i was like doesn't need to be like that that's not how the tardis works so w- <laughs> so well jamie and victoria do you have any questions about them like do you wonder like where they're from or a li- yeah a little bit um I suppose you, I just accepted it because I knew about the the concept of companions, you know, being there. And I know that um, through kind of some of the promo stuff, you know, Billy Piper has done it. And, and there's always been, you know, a couple of, um, who else is it? Um, oh, comedian, Tate. Oh, Catherine Tate. Catherine yeah, Tate. yeah. And yeah, so... There being a male one, no, not really. It didn't really throw me. Um, you know, I love the fact they put him in a kilt. <laughs> so, so you might not be aware, so they picked up Jamie in 1746 at the Battle of Culloden. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so so it's, it's quite unusual. We've got to, And Victoria is from the Victorian times. I don't know if you picked that up. So, that, so it's unusual that we've got two historical characters so, yeah, at the moment. So, yeah. Vic- Victoria's quite new. Before that, we had Ben and Polly, and they were from the 60s. And then they picked up JB in Scotland and whatever decade it was. He just came along for that. So for ages, it's it's really interesting because Jamie, everything was a beastie. So he was like, oh, those flying beasties. And they were aeroplanes and everything, like, because he was of this time. So he's a bit further ahead. Victoria, her dad... Oh, she'd basically been captured by Daleks. Her dad had, like, somehow... I can't remember. What had he done? Like Sort of made a time machine by accident. Yeah, and... he made an accidental time machine and got in touch with the Daleks. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she was from the Victorian era, but actually had experience of things. She really fits the, the you know, in terms of constructs, in terms of characters, um, you know, 
the doctor is often obviously he comes in as the magical helper and i know that that's the role that he is he's the adventurer the hero of the story he's mm. the magical helper who, who's in situation i i'm aware of who to know that's what he kind of is and that's how he yeah. with these things um you know and then the companion is essentially the audience to some degree because they're seeing, I say this. they're seeing things new they're often either a little bit naive or have things to learn have to trust explicitly in the doctor's superior knowledge of all things amazingly alien and technical and how quick his head is and all the rest of it um, but then she you know in case of victoria uh for want of a better term in 2021 she's she's also the bit of skirt isn't she well, well, she's that, she that is, is your classic Doctor Who girl from the sixties. She's yeah. that that screamer and that yeah. Yeah. I mean Polly was worse, but you know, yeah. it's that's yeah. There you go. Because does Jamie is this so Jamie says something, doesn't he? This so this is well, sorry, yeah. I've jumped ahead. This is what happens. But just on that. So there was a thing where Jamie mentions the outfits that the other people on the in the house are wearing to and he was like do you uh, want to wear something like that and she's like no I don't wear you know and um, that is the first time that I've noticed that they like meant like that the companions have discussed in that way uh, Victoria what do you see how those lassies were dressed yes I did and trust you to think of something like that well, could help thinking about it well, I think it's disgusting, wearing that kind of thing. Oh, so it is, so it is. You, uh, you don't see yourself dressed like that, then. Jamie. The we that's that feels like a very modern moment. It felt we very don't usually modern. Usually get that. We ne- like that's the first time I'd ever seen that ha- that I was aware of. Is that the first time there's any kind? Of, I mean, obviously, you know, the companions and their relationship that because it's almost um, sexualizing. That, that, that's yeah. almost getting and on. That never happened. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, we've not had that before. That's why you that. were so I shocked was, by I it. I was so shocked because <laughs> we've never had it. Polly would wear like t- she was like she was a proper sixties tiny mini skirts, Lulu hair, that sort of thing. You know, um, we never discussed what she wore, like in terms of in a sexualized manner. It was so odd that that but happened it's, it for was me. Quite, that's just a little character moment, though. We don't in classic Doctor Who always gets the criticism that you don't have that character development or uh, that sort of through that arc for yeah. the characters through stories, like you do in the modern series. But it, it, it is there also in moments like that. Or even though Victoria is just very like she is the girl, she's at this point so. It's worth saying, Mark's told me he's not a fan. He, you sort of like, you're she's not a, a Victoria bit, She's fan. a bit whiny and screamy and moany for, for me. Mark. But is she still there? But you were surprised she's still, how she's long still, you were still in, liking Yeah, in her. this watch through, I I can see, like even in this one as well, actually she's away from the Doctor and Jamie quite a lot and with the Ice Warriors. And yeah, okay, she doesn't cope amazingly well. Um, but but she, it could have been worse, let's say. How would you cope with that warriors, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't dro- think she's too bad. I wouldn't drop was, the bracelet thing and have to go back. Oh, yeah. There was one point where I said to Mark, I was like, that's where you run away. Like, he was really busy doing something and she was just up there. And I was like, that's the point where you run away. 
it's a classic trope, though, isn't it? Characters you love doing decisions or making decisions that you hate, and it's like, yeah. You, how many times do you see that? And you go, yeah, don't go into that room. Just don't, don't, no, yeah, don't walk away. Don't do it. Oh, oh, there's been quite a few of recent, not this one, but definitely recent ones where it's been so obvious the person is just like to their left or to the or like right behind them. This massive monster, and they're like completely oblivious and you're like how are you missing that <laughs> i think that's because they're in such a small studio and it's done sort of like a play that you have to yeah the, the, the actor just has to pretend they can't see that the set on this i thought was amazing considering that like it's just a small studio what well, so you've got the studio stuff and then with all the ice um and when they're out in the glacier in victoria and the and the ice where that would have been done on film somewhere yeah. else and all the studio stuff would have been done sort of as live on a on yeah. a Friday night, and then they would put in the film inserts later on. So the stuff on film looks amazing, all that snow stuff. The set for such a small studio, how they managed to make it seem bigger. They obviously managed to play with it in certain angles that made it seem a much bigger set than what it must have been. Yeah, so, so the computer room, right... They yeah. very nearly got like a whole 240 degree set with, you know, it was only a very fine point where you did, you know, they didn't turn out it was that. Um, and yet, obviously, the corridor scenes are all from one angle. You yeah. know, that's it. There's never, and I mean, even now, okay, yeah, you look at, um, you, you look at some shows that they tend to film. I'm thinking Kitchen um, in Coronation Street or EastEnders. They mm. tend to stand on one side. You know, think of the Queen Vic. They tend to stand on one side of it to film it because the other side's obviously, um, you know, where the, the crew are and all the rest of it. But yeah, to see that episode of Dot Who where just that corridor that is what they see from that angle and that's all they're gonna do they can't reverse <laughs> it or or anything else no. um, that was quite intriguing for me actually watching back oh of course yeah no, it's, no. well speaking about the setting this is something that confused me when i watched it as a as a child where you've got that computer room but then you've you've got the sort of modern or victorian sort of lampshades in the background and then you have this sort of victorian house and it was like, there's a one line of dialogue that explains it a bit later on that it was it's what's left of whatever the civilization i was so confused by like you've got <laughs> by that but it's easier to build a victorian house than a space thing on the bu- budget they've got probably I reckon so. it was a I yeah I 100% reckon that was a budget thing. There's so many times we I mean it's it is one of those things once you've watched a few we're like pretty sure that jungle was like three episodes ago as well. But but then like, I, it's quite it adds a layer to the story and the world mm-hmm. that you're in actually and I've never noticed like that before with that line. Oh actually yeah that does make sense and we're far in the future and this is all that's left and you've got that the old plant museum. Uh, just lines like that just add to the world. So yeah, the, two things I was going to I was going to say. One is I, while we're on the set, I don't think they made enough of the other room. You know where the ice warrior melted, mm. and when they brought him in, that seems like that was great. Which you know Jamie's knocked out and shot and what and let out. That was the one with the vibro chair, wasn't it? Clint's vibro chair. He's got to get on that vibro chair. <laughs> And it just seems to have gone, woof, ah, you know, straight away that that, mm. that you don't go back into that room after the main part of 
Yeah, so even the, the I think you see it a little bit in the animated episode two, um, and then not really again, if my memory serves me right. But that might have been just in terms of production, which again is quite amazing at the time. They probably had that set. Well, they'd have to build the sets every week. So depending, was the other place uh, that Penley was in maybe built the week after and took the studio space of that room or something like that? It's it's things like that when you sort of look into it. It's like it's probably some reason. It was probably a plant museum instead that week. <laughs> can, can, we, can we talk about um, Penley and Store? Uh, well, yeah, well, let's go into well, yeah, let's go into it. Yeah, yeah, okay, because they they you see them running out in the in the first episode. You're like, who are these? Yeah, who are these people? Penley is um, Peter Salis Wallace. Peter Salis Wallace and Gromit. Yeah, r- right. So this is what I was going to say is instantly it's oh Peter Salis, you know, last of some wine, Wallace and Gromit. Always, yeah, obviously actors have lives before they get well known in terms of all the things and you know there's a lot of actors that appeared in different tv shows at different points and the store angus uh lenny i grown up i was a massive fan of the great escape so when he popped up and i was like oh great escape from? <laughs> uh, that was that was that for me but i going back to penley and store which sounds like a great duo like starsky and husk penley and store I don't think it was explained particularly clearly or enough, really. It was kind of throwaway that they, you know, had the knowledge and were once on the base. And it wasn't until later that you kind of got the pen side. I think Clint mentions in that first scene something like, oh, we don't have our scientist or he's he's got... Yeah, you don't really get it. And then I was thinking, do they live in that abandoned place there? Is that where they? How long have they been there? Where is everybody else in this world? Where is it in? Is this an isolated place, or is this the whole Earth? You don't really get a sense of. The only thing I can ask, answer one of those questions, Mark, and that is they've been there long enough to grow some fantastic facial hair. <laughs> you know, the, the costume department were working overtime on them, weren't they? It's, uh, some, some good beard going on. In um, Mark's put a note of something I said in part two, the animated one. Store when he injured his wrist and they bandaged it. He had a tiny little wrist after that, and I found that hilarious. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't just know why you just said, "Oh, he's got a small wrist." He had a really, re- yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had he had a really small wrist compared to the rest of him. <laughs> and I think it's because he's wearing like a big coat or something. I might have to go and watch the animated episode again just to check that. You'll see it, like tiny wrist. <laughs> what well, well, should we go back? I've go Sorry. back to the sort of order of notes. So, <laughs> Doctor Jamie in Victoria Land. <laughs> We've done that bit. Um, then you've got Arden digging up the warrior in the in the ice. Is it a man? Perhaps it's an animal. We'll, we'll soon find out. David, it's a heavy drill. Yes, sir. Base calling, sir. What do they want? There's nothing coming through. Poor reception. I suppose they'll have to wait. This is more important. Come on, Davies. Well, what are we going to do, sir? Do? Excavate. This could be a brilliant discovery. But, sir, the computerised schedule. We must stick to that. Oh, must we? Uh, My favourite line from Arden was, oh, not another Mastodon or something like that. So, which, again, (laughs) (laughs) gives you a clue to this world. We find out more about the glacier and Clint saying that there wasn't a spring... Uh, and it's very forward 
thinking, you know, thinking of global warming and, and it, you know, it, the concept of this for a BBC kids show in the 60s, I think that is what Doctor Who does really well. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to get think... hate mail for saying it's a kids show in the 60s? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> well, WTV, it was. Well, which, yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, when you think about it, you know, the, the, the ideas behind it are quite, you know, science-based. And were, were you surprised at that? Or were you expecting it more to be a bit more of an adventure... I, Mark, I 100% agree. I, th- I, th- I think I think you're quite right, and especially the environmental um, element of it, considering, yes, 100%. Um, and it is very forward-thinking um, from the 60s. And interesting, why would you um, take the story in that direction, really? You know, you have a concept for it and you write up the rest of it. I think some of the language around it, this is where I was kind of like, how many people have ionizers in their homes you know, even though it is a gadget yeah. that you can have, um, you know, and they exist. It, some of that was, I don't, I'm reluctant to say woody, but it is a little bit wooden and woody around it. I found this the hardest to keep track of for language by far. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not going to say that I followed it all the way through, um, but I got the basics. Yeah, that was even take, yeah, no, I could follow it and I was quite happy um to just kind of take it and go mm. back in modern present day uh we went to the cinema and saw tenet and came away and i was like brilliant amazing loved it thought it was awesome um and i went in with a completely open mind of just going i'm just going to sit with it i'm going to go with it and go with it and then when i saw reviews and what other people were saying and like oh there's no dialogue and i can't read it and i can't understand it and i was like well i think you kind of missed the point because in that film right at the beginning a character says feel it you know just kind of go with it feel it and I, that's kind of how I approached this as well was I knew that some of the language might be a bit hammy you know because it is the 60s it's classic Doctor Who it's it's not always going to be scientifically accurate per se when they go on mm. about you know analog and digital terms and computer you know, computers in it <laughs> Amazing. Have you seen that episode of Mad Men when they get the computer in the ad agency and they're like, wow, it's going to, you know, <laughs> and yet, and yet in 67, you've got them doing this with a, you know, we've got to ask the computer for the right answer to pro- for progress and to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Could you understand what the computer was saying? Because we had problems. Oh, no. God, God. <laughs> <laughs> no. And yet the computer decided everything for them. Yeah, I'll be like, hang on a second, what did it say? Does anyone know? Can I have a print out of that? Yeah, we were like, I, I was like shutting my eyes, like whenever it was talking, like really trying to understand what it was saying. I was like, this is a this is one of my big like overall Doctor Who grievances. When they try and do like fancy voices, like tech voices or whatever, and they like slow it down to a point where I've almost forgotten what was said before because it's gone that slow and it's trying to be that cool and quirky. So I'm still trying to... Okay, I've got that word. Right, okay. I forgot what was just said before because it's just just trying to be too cool. It's an intro... I mean, yeah. So having watched it, I I completely have a new appreciation of paper mache and cardboard. You know, (laughs) things you can achieve 
<laughs> the things you can achieve. It, it makes Blue Peter look like amateur hour, doesn't it? You know? it does, yeah. <laughs> I think Sarah, you said it was like the computer was like a bin that they yeah, just... they're like a like a cool dustbin. <laughs> it literally just looks like someone has upturned, you know, some kind yeah. of garden bench and yeah, yeah, on it, you know. But it, it's that, that's what's amazing. Of course, going back. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop because being a musician and being in bands and stuff, they've kind of come on my radar. And I knew you know, Delia Derbyshire and that kind of thing and the, the theme tune. And it's so iconic, brilliant. It, it, you just can't beat <laughs> it. But of course, into voice editing, what you're talking about, Sarah, you know, mm. um, aside from talking down a set of tubes or different other things or put mimicking and putting on a stupid voice in front of a microphone, vocoders and synthesizers and that kind of were in, in the infancy, weren't they? So yeah. being able to do, you know, quick editing on, on voice and audio would probably just not an option. And no. But you've got to understand what they're saying. Surely they were like, hang on, we need to turn this down a little bit or maybe just not. Or, I mean, the other thing we've got to bear in mind is that we're going off recordings all like, oh, no, wait, we're not. These are the episodes, These are the episodes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to say the animated ones, we are going off recordings. So, you know, you can allow that a little bit for them. You didn't like the Ice Warrior. While we're talking about voices. Yeah, I hate the Ice Warrior. The Ice Warrior voices we found hard as well. Oh, they annoyed me so much. That cannot be I'm very um, no I'm not going to be careful I'm not going to be careful I'm going to say it and if anyone has a a problem with it (laughs) message you did you find the Ice Warrior voice a little bit weak yes and annoying and and I didn't I asked the question but I agree I agree with you completely I agree with you yeah it was there was too much background hissing I know they're trying to make them alien, but it was just, it was just so difficult. And I, I had to look up, actually. So they it was the actors that were in the Ice Warrior costumes. They pre-recorded their voices and were miming along to their own So you'd think thing. they'd be able to move their mouths in sync with what they've already said, but apparently But then they've not. got this latex that goes into their mouth across, and they just can't even open their mouths. And it was just, I mean, the design of the Ice Warriors, it, it's an iconic Doctor Who monster. Look, a voice, and, though. But it just doesn't... Oh, Any just... voice, it needs, like, a substance to it of some sort. I can tell... So there's a difference between this and the difference between, like, a, something... Do you know what I mean? That's a very minimal difference. But it needs, like, a, a crunch to it, a core. And they had nothing. They were talking with that... Th- in between and I was like and then sometimes you get that music over the top and I was like I haven't got a clue what's going on like what was it what was the machine called oh I can't remember because uh, uh, the the opening you know the you, can you oh, I can't remember it. I can't remember <laughs> it was like what was it what they got? oh I'm gonna have to look that up the thing know. where you hold your hand and the the scent the sound goes Ooh. yeah like one I of those on a theremin yes Yes. 
So so I always thought that that was someone singing. And I was like, I, oh, that's that unusual instrument. Mark was like, no, it's not. I was like, yeah, it is. And then I played him... Um, but I think it is Somewhere one of those over things. Somewhere the rainbow on YouTube on a ceremony. And he was like, that's it. So, yeah, it's definitely... I don't know. I haven't actually looked up exactly if it was someone singing or not. But, no, it probably was one of those machines. I think it was a ceremony. Uh, so, yeah, when you've got that going on and the Ice Warriors talking, yeah. Yeah. It, it was just... There's, there's no... And you couldn't even really distinguish between them because it's just whisper. It was really weak. Yeah, so that wasn't... Um, obviously, they, they they dug one out, took it back, it defrosted. <laughs> <laughs> it came to life. Um, you know, got to watch out for those fish fingers, haven't you? You know, <laughs> it's... Um, I I I really like that. I I thought that as a concept was hilarious, personally. Yeah. Um, and the fact that then you know, you, credit where credit's due. While we're talking about all the episodes, and I know we're on the I suppose one really good component of all the episodes, apart from obviously the last one, um, they all have superb cliffhanger endings. They yes, really they did. did. And they had really good know, cliffhangers. I don't know how that compares to other stories in the series, but they, they watching the Ice Warriors, it really felt like, oh my goodness, the Ice Warrior is melting. He's he's sat up. He's doing, you know, he's attacking this. Oh my goodness, the Doctor is in absolute peril because he's taken himself off, um, you know, to to the the spaceship, which really just seemed like a base and or another base, <laughs> and they were going to, you know, fire the ionize a beam or whatever they are yeah you know i would say 85 90 percent are good are they good are good yes and i miss yeah. that in the new series you don't get as many a lot of the stories though the structure of the story sometimes has to rely on that cliffhanger to get through so you might hold back a bit of the story and then they put in mm. the in the cliffhanger just for the for the sake of it but yeah most of the time they are good cliffhangers aren't they yeah yeah i'd say so you know when it's a really bad one because you're like if you're tired, you're like, yeah, let's end. <laughs> I, can't, I can't watch another one now. <laughs> it's usually me being like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. So, okay, well, let's go on to episode two then. The animation. Another another new thing that we've put you through. <laughs> like, So um, when I was uh, 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, no, 20 years ago, I shouldn't have been watching it when it was on, but I was. There was a BBC comedy show um, that was animated on BBC Two at night, and it was kind of after shooting stars and a couple, when they did the comedy night on a Monday. Shoot, they had shooting stars at nine, and then half an hour about time they had this show, and it was it was a sketch show that was animated. And it's the same. I'm. Sh- I bet if we looked into it, it might be the same studio because the the style was is like like the only difference being this was color and obviously the uh, the Doctor Who animation was black and white to keep it in. Um, I thought they got Patrick Torton's hair down to a, to a T. It was beautiful. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I loved the style of it. It wasn't off putting. When you say, "Oh, it's animated," you kind of think. Mm. Really, come on, where, how's this going to go? And okay, yes, the audio combined with the animation is a little jarring in places, um, but it it shouldn't put anyone off, I think, watching one if they go, oh, it's a misstep. And I also 
I know we spoke about this earlier. There's a charm in the missing episodes. There is a there's a beautiful um I don't know if it's a creative energy, if it because it inspires you to think more on it while you're watching it or engage with it in a different way. I don't know, but there there is something really um lovely and innocent and beautiful about the animated episodes. I like that. There's the first one I watched was Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror. And I didn't enjoy that one. So the, there's different styles in some of the stories. They, they get different companies to do the different stories, so it's not yeah. always the same. So some of them are... This one was a little bit more basic than what we've I had, really liked actually. It, but it, it worked, didn't it? And I suppose they've got the photos to go off as yeah. well. And they've got... Well, they've got the existing episodes, so they know what all the... Because some of them, they don't know what the sets look like and they don't know all the... You know, they haven't got references sometimes, but at least with this, they've got the other four to, to yeah. go off. And, you know, I mean, there's something, like you said, there is something very charming about it's, it kind of honours the way it The Doctor was. had a bit more of a sort of... Uh, oh, yeah, he had, a, he had an after... A, he, had, um, he was a, a bit more jowly, wasn't yeah. he? A bit more... Yeah. <laughs> 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 what do you call it? After Shadow... After five shadow, whatever five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah. That's it. This is this is why I I've not shaved today, and it's also I'm going to take some scissors to this fringe because he he is my new hair guru. I, I really prefer <laughs> the haircut. Well, this is this is interesting as well. Now I mentioned this really quickly because I accidentally clicked on some hashtags after watching it, so not to bias me before watching it. Obviously, as we've discussed. Yeah. Um. And I stumbled across an interview um, about Doctor Who, and they were saying that, in a way, all the Doctors since kind of owe Patrick something, and particularly Matt Smith and David Tennant, but particularly Matt Smith, was very much channeling, you know, or took inspiration from Patrick, which is something I was completely unaware of before watching it. So Mm. there you go. Well, Um, I mean, it's interesting... It's quite interesting talking to someone else about this, like for the first time. Yeah, it's quite this is really interesting. I know. Just you <laughs> from me. <laughs> I'm saying it, not Mark. So, um, but they never thought this would take off the way it did, Doctor Who. Like, they never thought that they'd have to recast Doctor Who, you know? So, if Patrick Troughton hadn't done a good job, there really wouldn't be more Doctor Who because, you know, if that had gone badly, I mean, the first Doctor was held with such godlike, oh, you know, and then, but it, it had to be. I mean, it, it definitely had to be. He just got so bad, and um, he wasn't even there half the time. It, it was just really bad, so he had to go. But if Patrick Charlton hadn't done a good job and paved the way to create this character that was fresh and new, yet still the Doctor, and that's a challenge. And I think it's it's a really I think that is why actors today still want to play the Doctor and still find that, because how to bring something new and exciting yet still hold the values of who this character is. His performance is awesome. And the bit that, I mean, yeah, okay, when he comes into the base at first and, and goes on all of a sudden, um, it gets a bit... And not cheesy at the time, I imagine. I mean, I'm not watching it in the six, I'm watching it now, but a bit hammy with his... Um, conversations with the ice warriors when he goes to the base and seeks them out and you know, i'm going to reason with them you know and all, all of those. yeah um he's before the arguments he has with clen 
stunning. And yeah. his performance. And I mean, I know that the Clint's obviously the, the uh, Peter Blackwood Ford, Blackford, that's his name. You should know this. I don't know. Oh no, I don't know the actor's name, no. <laughs> he's he's also, you know, performing and, and absolutely flying with, with his performance. But the two of them sparring off against each other. Mm. He's like, yeah, I, I'm on board with that. And the, com- the Doctor is completely believable. Completely believable. Well, let's talk about Clint, because I, he always got on my nerves whenever I used to watch this. He really annoyed me. <laughs> he's so yeah. frustrating. And he's got his he's got his character limp as well. <laughs> which his, I swear which changes so per leg, per scene. <laughs> like, he grows on me. The first, the first like, scene, I was... Like, oh, he's he's just too shouty for me. He was in some really, I was just he's like, just I don't like so him. annoying. He's just, but he does grow on me. But there's nothing likable about him. He's very stubborn, you know, yeah. and he's very pedantic, and he won't see away from the computer. And he's very. Um, but he's having all these arrogant. serious conversations. He's, very arrogant. he's being he's being this leader in this onesie <laughs> so that he's got a stand in <laughs> I mean I wonder what the actor thought I don't know having these you know they're great arguments I, I mean, agree even, but he's there in this even him like agreeing for the doctor to help him that whole scene is arrogant like he's just an arrogant uh, character you're right there is nothing to like about him and I once you know things start going a bit wrong for him I guess I started to like him more because you you start to see the vulnerability of a character, but yeah. I mean, Miss Garrett puts up with a lot. Oh, she, she does, <laughs> she does. And while we're talking about haircuts, wow, what a haircut! <laughs> um, yeah, no, she does. She does. And I mean, one thing I want uh, very conscious of is, or what I kind of thought going into was looking into: um, is there going to be anything sexist? Is it going to like come out from a different time? Is mm. you know, I know we we spoke about Victoria being you know the, the bit of skirt, um, but you know that that's kind of like the character trope of the time. It, it, I was kind of what dialogue is going to you know is there going to be dismissive? You know what do you know, woman? Or yeah, yeah, how is that going to sit? And there wasn't really. There's we, not. And no, we haven't. We, we don't get that for, very much. No, it, you do sometimes get it, but it's more with the companions you get that than the other characters. That I find. Yeah, in in that term, actually, that sixty Doctor Who, you don't. In get. fact, I I would I what surprised me the most watching it was I was expecting that so much of it being the sixties, and particularly the first season, the women are very. Okay, we completely disregard Susan, but the women generally are really strong characters. Um, and it was a it was a female producer, wasn't it? Yeah. And the women are just they they're not like overpowering the men, but they're on the same level as the men. Yeah, there's, a, there's um, the equality there. There's there's a yeah respect and equal. And even well, going well, back to other episodes, I'm just the one. Um, the one where Doctor gets um, Doctor from first to second Doctor. What's that one called? Tenth Planet. Tenth Planet. That one. Um, oh, the cast mean... itself was very. It was set on an international space station, um, and the it's international in its cast. 
Um, they have different nationalities there and different colours. And the captain of the ship is Jamaican and I've forgotten what the other guy but there's just two and they said they wanted that they wanted this sort of idea that you could see a black man in space they said that in the thing now this is the 60s and it's Doctor Who that's like amazing I almost feel bad discrediting I'm thinking they're never going to be forward thinking they're all going to be full of you know homophobia and sexism and all the rest of it but no they're not it sounds obviously you're watching more than me and in this episode there was no um instances that I could see as being sex apart from Jamie saying to Victoria, would you yes. like that? <laughs> Which was that's the, the most only random moment. thing. Yeah, that's he's never he's been like never that before. Said that before. <laughs> and there's never none of not even Ben and Polly had anything like that. No. And Ben and Polly had a whole like I don't know, sex thing going on in the I don't know, I'm like Ben <laughs> what? Fa- well, Ben fancied Polly, didn't he? And Polly knew it. Well, yeah, but it wasn't said in the actual No, exactly. Stories. It's not That's said, like, but it's, it's yeah. there. Nothing. nothing. I, I really like Miss Garrett. I thought she was a really good, strong character. Obviously, she's in a short skirt. <laughs> in but, in you the know, cold. In the cold. <laughs> they're, they're all, yeah, it must be, the central heating in that place must be up full. It's the bills. <laughs> but the, um, but that, that must partly be, you know, because, because of the time. Uh, yeah, it's a very you know. I know I've mentioned Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and Stingray. The, the the 60s idea of the future is a thing of beauty in itself, isn't it? You know, when we have it now in certain ways, I suppose in some TV shows, how we picture the future, but it's um, yeah, that mo- modernism or the idea of what is modern. It's uh, the future. Brilliant. The thing with Miss Garrett, though, she was very... She went off a little bit towards the end of the story because you've got yeah. Clint relying on the computer a lot. Miss Garrett was as well. And then something happened, didn't it? What happened oh, in terms just... of she went more computer? She was going away from the computer stuff because she goes to see Penley and gets a bit more information. And we we thought she was going to be a bit more... Rounded. Rounded. And then she goes right back to relying on the computer towards the end. Yeah, she's like, and the computer decides all. And it's like, oh, get over yeah, it. Yeah, she was a little bit disappointing there. I thought she could have changed across the story, but she doesn't... Um... He doesn't know the computer's command to wait. We can threaten to destroy the glacier and his ship with it. Yes, yes. Yes, possibly. Well, why can't we do it, sir? It's our only chance for survival. What is? You know the computer's decision and its reasons. I know all about that, but it doesn't exactly give much thought to us, does the it? The computer thinks of everything, considers all the facts. And it's supposed to come up with all the answers, isn't it? I'm just going to move ahead, part three. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, so J- so Jane Garrett, we've, she's called Jane, uh, goes to Penley for help, we've said that. Um, are Jamie and Arden shot by the Ice Warriors? I know, a death. And we have to talk about, because we had a conversation about Jamie's outfit, because you know they have those plastic things that they wear out, and we were like, he's still wearing his kilt. How can he get in that while he's still wearing his kilt the whole time? I know. <laughs> so that was our clothes watch moment that we uh, we comment on. Um, I really like the highlight for the story for me was Victoria's chase from the Ice Warrior on film. I thought that looked amazing, and she screams and sort of causes the avalanche. Of course, it's a classic Doctor Who monster moment, I think. But 
I I really liked the deaths, actually, because I genuinely thought that Jamie was... Like, if I'd have been watching this, I genuinely, as a kid, I would have been like, Jamie is dead. And there was a moment where I was like, how is Jamie... Like, he looks dead. And you kind of know he's not going to die because he's well, a companion. You know, yeah, you know he's not. Of course the other one dies, and then Jamie miraculously doesn't. Just they, ends they up get paralyzed. shot by the same gun, but... But it's, it's quite a dramatic moment, because... The doctors, a lot of time, he feels very helpless, I think, in a lot of this. You know, he's lost Victoria. Suddenly, where's Jamie? And, like, they can't contact them. And, you know, it's a very vulnerable Well, they're all split up. And I think usually they are in a six-parter because then you can... Mm. You've got all your different parts of your your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, A lot of the time, they don't stay together much after part one. They all go off and have their own moments. And Jamie is not used as much... Um, you've got because you've got Clint and Miss Garrett and Store and Penley. Sometimes with the companions, they do get sidelines a little bit. So I think that's why he gets shot, and he's uh, uh, he can't walk for for a couple of episodes just to <laughs> get him out there. Although there was a real bear, they did actually film a real bear. That is not stock footage. <laughs> of course, of course. They do. Usually in the these, they do use um, some stock footage of something where there's like a lion or something, and it's from London Zoo or something like that. But it, reading up on this, they actually got a bear in on the and, and filmed it. I hope, I hope they pay them. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're a fair wage. <laughs> so then, where are we? Um, well, going to part four, I guess. I was about to say that part three was part part one was quite breezy. I know we spoke about how hectic was you thrown in there. Part two, we're being the anima- and, you know, animated, and part three as well. Being. Part three, yeah, you talk about real iconic For me, it was the most filler episode. Other than like them being shot, which is right at the end, I found between three and four, there's a lot of just talk. <laughs> because actually, the the basics you've you have the sort of world building at the beginning, but the basis of the story is. The Ice Warriors are there. They can't use the Ionizer. We need to get rid of the Ice Warriors. They, you know, you could do it in, yeah, half the episodes, can't you? In terms of what actually it, happens, there is a lot of the padding. Point, though, that I was getting confused because I was like, hang on, can they use the Ionizer? But they're telling the Ice Warriors they can't. And then it was, but are the, okay, so the Ice Warriors... Do they know something else? Like, I can't tell because I can't even tell what they're saying half the time. I found, like, the, I found the padding was the computer talk. They seem to have the same argument about the computer about three times in that... Con- like, oh, can yeah. we trust the computer? No, it's saying this, it's saying this. That was the repetitive stuff for me. I just found that all a bit confused and a bit like, why are we having this conversation? Almost like it was... It was a, no offence to the writer. Just trying to find a way out of uh, oh and then we go and we've got to, we can yeah. jump off that carousel you know and move on with the story but like genuinely like I, I'm jumping ahead but hey ho um when the doctor sends them back down and he's like you'll find your things down there I genuinely was like will they find their things down there is he just sending them back down to the base for like like what I couldn't tell like I was so confused by the amount of conversations that had happened <laughs> like by this point about different things. I fo- Don't get me wrong, I followed the story and I got like a general just, it didn't really matter. They were going to go back there and there was going to be a thing. But I was kind of like, do they want to be going back there? Well, is the, the Ice Warriors to, yeah. going back the do- to the base Is the, the end, Doctor yeah. setting the Ice Warriors up? Or is the Doctor setting 
them up at the base. Like, I was so confused by, like, all the different motives and things that could be happening. There was almost too much that could... Yeah, I it, it was just like you said, it was just a lot of padding and a lot of back and forth and stuff, and I was just like, what? Because we lose store, don't we? Uh, sorry, earlier on, poor store gets shot. I mean, you you knew that was going to happen, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the minute that he was like, "I'm going to go and reason with them," you're like, "You're dead." Oh, with your little small wrist. Writing is on the wall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, 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 no, you can't reason with an alien. It's like rule one. Don't go there by yourself. What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. It's well, like, well, poor Victoria, because she's just got away and then she meets Storr and he's like, come back with me. And he's like grabbing her and saying, yeah. come with me. And she's like, no, no. I've just got... And that, that's Victoria back on the spaceship for another episode. Yeah, all that uh, running for nothing. <laughs> we liked Victoria's fake crying. That was a highlight. Oh, yeah, that when, was funny. Uh, when the doctor was like crying, she's like, ah, what do you mean? That's, I like that when you've got those sort of humorous moments in those situations. It's it almost really plays up to the fact that she cries. Well, yeah, she does a lot. She yeah. screams a lot. Victoria is a bit. She screams. She cries. She's like, just, just cry, and it's like it sort of plays up to that, I guess, in a cheesy way. It made me laugh. Why have you put Jamie's legs bare? Oh, Jamie's legs and the bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's legs bare. <laughs> uh, and what else? So I've put yeah. The computer stuff. Computer says wait. Computer says no. Yeah, and then computer says no. Uh, you've got all of that. It's wrapped up quite quickly. I say this a lot about them. Yeah. You have all of these six episodes, all this back and forth, and then right at the end, what happens? They turn up the heat and he does the sound waves, and then that's it. It's it's like the writer gets a little bit bored and it's like, oh, I've just got to wrap it all up now, and it's it's so quick. Yeah, this is what I mean about the carousel. Like, well, we're going to get off it, right, jump, you know, and, and suddenly there's a very convenient thing. I quite liked the idea, you know, and the the... the going back to the set, turning the knob and watching the dials go, I thought that was brilliant. I was inspired. You know, humidity and temperature and all that was hilarious. Um, But then, yeah, the the whole, the the, uh, shockwaves firing through and making, you know, it all got a bit, the the trekkie set wobble, you know. Yeah, yeah. Side to side. And, um, yeah, it is wrapped up very quickly and conveniently, which is pleasing. But at the same time, you're like, oh, do I feel shortchanged by this? Yeah. No, but yeah. It, you've had a chat. I think for me, knowing what I know about Doctor Who coming into it, the, there is that conversation about the computer again uh, with Clint and the Doctor <laughs> and how the Doctor can second guess the computer because his head is as quick as, if not quicker than the computer. Um, and yeah, and, it, and then it, it's Penley messing with the unknown, which I like. This is one thing I really like about the story, um, and you get it in quite a few modern. Um, Quentin Tarantino in Glorious Bastards is is, mm. is the best example I can think of quickly with this, where in the theatre at the end there is. The, the, the plot starts to go left and right with um, the the colonel taking Brad Pitt's character out of it and saying, well, I can do this and I can let you get away with it. And they're all plotting in different ways. So the bastards are plotting, uh, the cinema owner, she's plotting, and Penley, likewise, in Doctor Who, in this ice war, is, 
is going, I can do this and manipulate this, as they're also talking about the shockwaves and, and disrupting the ice. And I kind of like that, how it all came together. I know that's a really um, roundabout way of saying it's the only example I can think of you know on a similar wave I guess in um, Tarantino uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood have you seen that one and the very end where everything that has happened for the past three hours comes together in ten minutes of like you know the fact that you even learned he had a flame like in his garage every little element comes together in that last 10 minutes of chaos you know when we were just crying in the cinema the surprising moment in the end of this in part 6 was that guy who he was in part 1 helping excavate the ice warrior then he turns back up and he he goes a bit mad and has he has to get shot does miss garrett shoot him yeah yeah and she shoots all that him for like suddenly he, happens doesn't yeah. it there's a lot it's a really random amount of stuff that happens towards the end that you're just like what's happening but i agree i thought penley like suddenly um taking over and it's about like taking the risk that's a human thing to do that's these choices are human choices and yeah i really and like did that. you notice victoria just disappears in the last five minutes or so. Yeah, she's she's like, he says something like, I'll go and wait at the TARDIS. Victoria is not there in the, she's gone in the control room. Jamie's better. He's standing there watching, not having anything to do. Victoria is just not in that scene at all. They were like, there's not even any point having her no, no. there. That's it. They're you don't like, see her again after the Maybe she's had like story. her airtime for the Yeah, the, it's, it's, it's things like that. And, and the extras in the background in the control oh, room. Oh, I called them the um, the backing girls. There were <laughs> three girls three that were just, just in there. the background. But then after it's all happened and you've had all the destruction, they're just carrying on in, as normal as they always have been in the background on their computers. They in their just... tiny little mini skirts. Honestly, they're, they're like 60s backing singers. Ooh. <laughs> and it's just, and everyone's, and Clint's happy and it's all just very, oh, we've dealt with that now. No mention of what state the glass is in outside, and no. uh, the new ice age, and how it's melting. So because they they do make references throughout about how quick the ice is melting and how long they've got, and the computer is flying towards um, or veering towards disaster and crashing, and the reactor going. And my bet though is if they wore more clothes, then. <laughs> They probably wouldn't need to have the heating on as high, and that might help <laughs> yeah. them. Well, I didn't. I didn't understand the. Um, we had all these close-ups of this sort of perspex showing yeah. us the map. I don't know if we were actually supposed to see anything or take anything away from that. Um, so, well, someone needs to tell world, world control, don't There's they? There's a line What's that I made on? Mark write down, which was "Spit your stupid liberty in my face," and I enjoyed that line. That was from Garrett, I think. Oh, no. Oh, no. What, was it, was I think it, it might have been Clint. Clint I think it was, A Clint yeah. and Penley moment, I think. A Clint and Penley goes, spit your stupid liberty in my face. And I just found that hilarious. There's some really, like, odd... Like, I, yeah, it was a good... It was good. There's some really nice moments, some good things, but it could have been four. It could have been four. And at the end of the day, you're still going to get a lot out of it. If you remember it from when... You watched it yourself. I mean, I I would say people, oh, go and watch it. It's well, you know, if you're interested in Doctor Who or you've never seen it like I've never seen it, go and watch it and find out. Um, 
the person I spoke to about before doing this was my stepdad, and he clearly remembers hiding behind the sofa as, as a kid. And when I said the Ice Warriors, he was like, oh, my, I remember the Ice Warriors. Oh, wow, wow, wow. And he got really excited about it. Um, and then when I watched it, it was like, what do you think of it? And I kind of I, I told him really what I thought of it. And he's like, I'm not surprised, because you've got to remember that it's corrugated cardboard and paper mache, and you kind of watch it as a seven eight-year-old would watch it and get immersed in it and see it and all the rest of it i think it if you are that person who is now 50s 60s go and watch it i i do i, I would, yeah you do if you've got access to Britbox or you can get it online and stream it or you know and the animated i mean what's interesting this one maybe not as much but some of the other animated ones like because it's animated, they can do just that little bit more. So there was one where they were creating the dialects and there was literally like a room of dialects. Well, even in this, you you have that extra sort of artistic licence. Like when they're in the second episode where they're sitting around the table, it's a shot from above, down, and they wouldn't have done that in the studio, I don't no. think. There's certain shots and angles that they can do in the animation, which yeah. just adds a little bit to it, I think. The the animation that what really came across well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was amazed at the quality of the picture and in, in the, on, of the film. I, I was blown mm. away by the quality of the picture because I think it'd be a bit more grainy and all the rest of it. Um, but the fur on the ice warriors yeah. <laughs> is because you see them in the latex and on the film, and you're like, they don't look that hairy. But then they've really gone to town on the animation. <laughs> <that it> looks- <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, you're like, okay, right, yeah, fine. Oh, those costumes, though, when they're trying, when they're collapsing at the end, those poor actors trying to sort of bend down and get on the floor and move in those things. Like, they're not the worst you, you can't blame them. You can't I blame think, them. It's not the worst we've seen. Look, it's it, just the mouth, I think, that's the worst part of that costume. The mouth and then everything sort of fiberglass with this sort of suit underneath. I mean, it's it's such a great design. Yeah. You can't take anything. It's it's just yeah, that you know what it's like when you see Mr. Blobby kneeling down and you've got <laughs> that ball and you see the knees creasing and you're like, yeah, it's, it, it's a man in a suit. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great couple of episodes. I'm thankful for having seen it. I can see um, its influence, not, you know, like, keep going, I've not seen Doctor Who. I can see why people talk about it are you glad you've done it it's not been a waste of time oh no not even slightly and i think emma was, emma was quite intrigued by it and the, the experience between i would i would love to come back i would love to do it again. <laughs> yeah. what we will say is if you're going to go back and watch an episode watch from season one the keys of marinus which is mine and mark's favorite episode <laughs> it's first doctor and it's it's just right. We don't. We still. In fact, it's not an episode if we don't mention the keys of Marinus. No, yeah, we haven't mentioned it. Have <laughs> we haven't we? mentioned the keys yeah. of Marinus. I had to mention yeah. it. So, well, we better wrap up. This glacier is is on its way. So we better pack <laughs> up and uh, <laughs> and get out of here before before um. This third bedroom masquerading as a computer room needs to go back into a third bedroom tonight. So <laughs> I, I better go again. Yeah. So. Um, so before we go, Will, where can people find you? So this is what they say on the football shows now, is it? Don't at me. You know, if you've got me in your phone, <laughs> don't at me. Uh, yeah, my I am I am on Twitter. 
I am at just William Reese, and that is Reese R H Y S. So at the Welsh way, the Welsh way, the proper way, at just William Reese. Oh. Great, cool. We just got one more thing we've got to do. So we had a competition uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so Sarah is going to pick a winner, oh. uh, and the winner gets a two watch you mug and a big finish CD uh, starring Fraser Hines as Jamie. Courtesy so... of Mark. Okay. <laughs> So, well, okay. you are a witness that this is a, a fair draw. There you go. <laughs> In the name as well. Got it out. I can see it. Okay, the winner is Luke Malloy. Yay! Well Luke done, Luke. Malloy. That is Luke from the Lost in Gallifrey podcast. Oh, so well done, um, Luke. he got all of the monsters right from Sarah's descriptions. Uh, well done, everybody else that <laughs> that attempted that as well. Uh, it wasn't easy. <laughs> Apparently not. Mark wanted to do 10. I'm just going to point out. Mark wanted 10. I narrowed the field for There we go. So I will get in touch with you, Luke. And just before we go as well, the next story, should I tell you the title? Yeah, go on. So it's called The Enemy of the World. Oh. So I'm feeling we're not going to be cold anymore, but I feel like, because we've had two in a row, um, and I think it's going to be in the future. Right. Uh, When I say future, I mean like space sci-fi-y. Okay. I feel like right. it's going to be some aliens. Great. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Mm. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Watch Who, uh, and yeah, we will see you next week for the Enemy of the World. Um, right. I'm gonna. Yeah, we better get out of here for this glacier. And um, <laughs> will I'm gonna uh, press this thing on this Apple Watch thing and give it back to Victoria. Uh, so. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Watch who?